With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. Welcome to the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small, alongside my co-host here, Chip Murphy. Chip, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. Uh, ready to talk some Knicks. There's not, like we were talking about before the show, not a lot of Knicks stuff in particular going on, but a lot of stuff to talk about like regarding former Knicks. As usual, we've had a lot of uh, players that are unsigned stuff like that but uh i've been uh doing pretty much anything i can to avoid my jets recently because i got all into <laughs> football yeah. for the first time in a long time and uh earlier i was watching a replay of the packers game from that's how into football i am yeah. <laughs> but i just i can't like i don't know about you did you watch the whole jets pass game last yeah week? yeah it was brutal it was brutal yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you too it's just I mean, I'm. We don't have to get too deep into it, but I'm not that worried. Yeah, once I just Darnold wanted to. Comes, once Darnold I, comes back, it'll be okay. But like these first three weeks have been brutal yeah. to watch. Just bad. I stopped. Yeah, I stopped watching at halftime, and I bet the Pats and the Jets got the cover like right at the end. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was actually good. I I had him in, in a pick'em. So yeah, oh, I guess, did you? I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess that that actually good teams win, great teams cover. I guess. That's true. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on to some Knicks stuff. Uh, today, uh, as we're recording, Lance Thomas, um, former Nick. Actually, he was the longest tenured Nick last year. Um, one of the guys, you know, kind of hung around for a while, little while. Looks like he's getting close to signing with the Nets as we record this. Um, honestly, not like a whole lot to like dissect here because Lance is more of a role player i'd say at this point like a veteran presence in the locker room but you know decent signing for the nets i mean he'll bring that veteran presence but it's not like i don't think knicks fans are too upset about you know losing lance great guy like good locker room presence and all that but you know it's not like he's gonna bring a ton on the court for the nets no like you said he's more of a locker room presence uh i think they're actually signing him for being a locker room presence mm-hmm. is what my guess would be. Um, I did he play with DJ last year? Were they on the team at the same time? Was um, they yeah, were they, there together, right? Yeah, yeah, they so were. They were for sure. But um, yeah, call it Lance. He didn't. He didn't play a ton. I'm looking right now. He only played 46 games last year. Yeah, because I know he, he was hurt. Yeah, and then actually, yeah, he was he was playing down the stretch, so they definitely played together. Okay, he was playing, but down yeah, the he okay. he was hurt. He was hurt for a little while last year. Fell out of the rotation here and there. Um, but I mean, you know, he's local local guy. Like went to actually St. Benedict's in like the Jersey, 
that's like the Bermuda Triangle of high school basketball. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kyrie Irving's from down there, St. Patrick. St. Pat's. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's a bunch of St. Anthony's is the all timer. Yeah. St. Anthony's with, yeah, with Bobby Hurley. But, you know, that those three schools there for a while were so good. And, um, Lance, yeah, Lance was a St. Benedict's guy. So, I mean, good thing for a young guy. But it's actually the reason why we bring it up is it got us talking about some of the former Knicks that are still mm-hmm. free agents right now. Obviously, Carmelo Anthony is still out there. And it actually is kind of, um, looks like the way you know Lance Thomas is getting that that last spot for the Nets possibly um, that could bump out Melo because we've heard so much about him going to the Nets. What do you think about Melo's chances of maybe not the Nets but signing somewhere before the season starts? What do you think chances of that are, Chip? Uh, well, we saw the Shams or Shams, whatever his name mm-hmm. is, report that said Melo's unlikely to go to the Nets. Right, <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm I'm not really surprised that he's not going there. I think it's more likely that he's on in-season signing than a preseason signing because I feel like he would have been signed already by now. It's we're recording this on Wednesday the 25th um September 25th, sorry. Uh and it's you know, I mean Mello's team has put things out. Mello's put things out. He did that interview with Stephen A. Basically, uh, s- saying, mm-hmm. "Give me a shot." You know, what more does the guy have to do? I feel like it's going to take an injury for him to get a chance, and either that or maybe teams just don't want to bring him in. Uh, they don't think he's worth the trouble. Um, I hope that's not true, but unless you're a contending team, Melo doesn't make sense. And uh, LeBron could have brought him into the Lakers, I mean, for he could have done it last year, mm-hmm. but he chose to bring in Michael Beasley and Lance Stevenson. Yeah. So it's, I, I don't see the Lakers thing happening. I definitely don't see the Clippers thing happening. I don't see Jerry West and Doc Rivers doing that. No, uh, I don't know about another contender. Uh, I don't know if the the ownership group there in Denver wants to deal with that nonsense. Um, the one place I would think of, uh, it's or there's two places uh, is Miami, obviously, because they've always been linked to him, uh, and then Portland because Dame mm. and CJ are always talking about how much they like him. Yeah, if I was someone gonna, gets hurt was in Portland. Portland. Yeah, so if someone gets hurt in Portland, which it seems like guys are always hurt in Portland, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, I could see. And Portland, by the way, Portland's weak at the wing. So yeah, that's that's actually uh, one of their problems. Like next year, which they've always had like these like long lengthy wings like to throw out there, but this year seems like that's not exactly going to be you know shored up for them as, as much. I mean they. They're bringing in Mario Hazonia, which you know yeah. nothing nothing against him, but you know I don't think he's, he's not as good as that yeah. You're gonna want playing you know big minutes off the bench for you. I mean he's uh, you know he had his moments with the Knicks last year. I mean he, the LeBron play was you know crazy, uh, just in itself that single play the the uh, Giannis dunk. But that was great. You know, for the for the most part he was kind of like in and out of the rotation. Um, but what I will say about him is he like he had this like. 
this reputation of being a malcontent in Orlando, kind of, or at least that was like the the narrative, maybe. But in New York, he was like always cool, like never picked out like that. You know, that moment where he's like, "Well, I think I should be doing this. I think I should be doing that." He's always like a pretty good, you know, pretty pretty good soldier for Fizdo. Which not to get too far off on a on a Hazonia tangent, but like I have a hard time thinking that Mello isn't better than him right now. And maybe I'm just sucked in. Maybe Mello actually has falled off or fallen off, you know, this badly where he's not worth, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze to sign him and like endure like just like the scrutiny that will come with it. But I still, I mean, he still can knock down a shot. Like he's still a big body who can like get a bucket when you need him to off the bench. So, I mean, honestly, I feel like we'll just, we'll be talking about this, like you said, into the season until someone kind of gets desperate and someone needs a quick fix or, you know, needs to take a chance on him. Um, But until then, I still, yeah, Portland is one, Miami, you said, but there's not like any like primo destination for a little while there. It felt like the Nets were going to be that, you know, like just made sense with Kyrie and, you know, KD, DeAndre, just made sense, but clearly did not from a a Nets perspective because they went and signed Lance Thomas. Yeah, I mean... I'm not sure. Does the Lance Thomas signing really mean that Mello is out for good? Like, I mean, I know Lance is probably going to take that Wilson Chandler spot, right? The one that opens up. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, though, like, Mello's right there, too. If they're not going to sign him because of Lance Thomas, then I don't feel – I wouldn't think, you know, they're ever going to sign him. But, I mean, I guess things can change quickly. And maybe this is just, you know, being a prisoner of the moment, but I feel like the Nets are kind of like a done a done deal for him. Yeah, I think probably. Uh, I mean, he's close with guys on the team. I'm sure they spoke up for him with Marks, mm-hmm. and he was kind of shot it down is what it feels yeah. like. So, Which I can't really blame Marks for that. He's got a lot on his plate already. Yeah, and Atkinson. Yeah. Atkinson's trying to win 48 games, 50 games, and he doesn't want to deal with the Mello circus, which I kind of get. And if Mello, I feel like if Mello goes anywhere else, it's not really going to be as bad as people think. But if he does go to a team in New York that's not the Knicks, it's mm. going to be a little bit of a circus. So, yeah, because there's going to be more media scrutiny and everything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I hate to like overhype that. But yeah, I think there's it's definitely somewhat of an element to uh, you know the the whole piece of the pie with Melo. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. All right, moving on from some of the free agent and slash Melo talk, uh, we're going to talk about the ESPN top 100 rankings that came out. Obviously, it's still September, so there's still not a whole lot to talk about until media day and everything next week. So. We'll talk about the two Knicks who actually made the top 100. We have Mitchell Robinson, who came in at uh, 98, and then Julius Randle coming in at 92. uh, I'd say I thought just gut reaction right off the bat when I saw it. Mitchell Robinson, I'm cool with that ranking. Just that he cracks the top 100 is like pretty cool and pretty awesome after his rookie season, where he really came on strong late. But I think, I think. Julius Randle, for me, is a little bit low. I mean, 92 is below a lot of guys who I think he's 
proven himself ahead of. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just my gut reaction. But what do you what do you think about about those uh, chip? No, I don't think that's your gut reaction. I think that uh, he's the fact that it was so surprising to me is uh, he's ninety two and he was eighty four last year. And yeah, he's right? coming off the best season of his career, and he went down eight spots. How does that make sense? I don't get that one. At his projected real plus minus wins, he's a, he's going to account for one win this year. Danilo Gallinari, or not Danilo Gallinari, Otto Porter is going to account for six point two wins this year. Are you freaking kidding me? Really? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, there's a ton of like good guys ahead of him on the list. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, all, I'm all looking these guys at. Are great. I, yeah, they, I feel like he just he's coming off the best season of his career, and he goes down twelve spots. Um, I mean, he sh- you know obviously New Orleans they didn't make the playoffs or anything, but you know he showed he could kind of shoulder the load on a team for a little while. You know, without Anthony Davis there, he was kind of their you know their horse. I mean, I know they have Drew Holiday, who's, you know, fantastic. But, you know, in the, in the bulk of the front court minutes were, uh, you know, Julius Randle was leading that charge. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like last year he proved a lot. And now he's like, they're not, there's just not a ton of respect for him. Um, but again, you, it's maybe I'm just getting too worked up about these lists because, you know, at the end of the day, they don't really mean anything. It's just, you know, September. So there's not much. You know, you just, you got to get worked up about something, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I try not to get worked up about the list either. I but, would say uh, you know, it always ends up happening anyway. Yeah, exactly. It does. I mean, especially when you see things that are, like, inexplicable to you that aren't even, like, related to the Knicks sometimes. Like, you you look at – like, I looked at the Brook Lopez. I love Brook Lopez. I've always been a huge Brook Lopez mm. fan. And he was 50th last year, and he had a huge year last year. One of the uh, like made a bunch of threes. He was like one of the top three point make guys last year, and he went from 50th to 80th. Like I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't get that. I just don't. And um, I'm looking at, I mean, the one everyone's talking about. I'm looking at Clay Thompson at 49th. But that one, I mean. It's got to be like injury, right? Like that—that's the only explanation for why he's that low. I mean, but isn't the whole thing with real plus minus that they don't take stuff? I thought they didn't take stuff like that into account. I maybe I'm wrong. I, look, I love the analytics, the real plus minus stuff. You mm-hmm. know that, but I—I yeah. I don't understand it perfectly, and I think real plus minus is flawed, especially if you only take like one season of it, and you're like, oh, that guy was. Had a great real plus minus that one mm-hmm. year. No, you need to look at it overall. But it says, dude, it says Clay Thompson projected real plus minus wins 1.2. Like Otto Porter's going to have more real plus minus wins than Clay Thompson. Seriously? Like, I don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, Clay Thompson, I mean, he's a future Hall of Famer. Like, could go down as one of the best three point shooters of all time, probably will. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's behind, you know, no offense to these guys, but he's behind John Collins. Like, you're telling me, I know he's hurt, like, but you're telling me if they're both healthy next year, you'd rather have John Collins on your team than Clay mm-hmm. Thompson. But that's, I mean, that's, I feel like 
they have they have to be taking injury into account because like there's no other explanation for why Clay Thompson would be that low. And just two more, and you know I got to bring up my boy Kyle Lowry because this disgusted me. Yeah, he wins the championship, has a huge playoff run, and he goes from twenty first to thirty ninth. He's about to be in a contract year. You know he's going to ball out. Zach, you listened to the low post with uh, Lowe and mm-hmm. Arnovitz where they were talking about uh, Lowry maybe signing an extension. I think the number Arnovitz brought up mm-hmm. was like three years, 75 maybe. From the Raptors, I absolutely signed that, by the way. I trade Gasol yeah. and Ibaka maybe, but I, I – I think it sends a lot of goodwill towards other players that, you know, they, they sent a pretty rough message when they traded the Rosen. Yeah, <laughs> Masai had to really needed to gain some uh, goodwill back when he, yeah. I think uh, if he didn't, if he didn't win that championship, things would be a little different mm-hmm. because yeah, like that, that made it up for a lot. Like I think Kyle Lowry probably can be like, all right, well, you know, it worked. We won a championship. Like you can, you can accept it. But I think yeah. you're right. he might, you know, be building some more. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say credibility because that's not it at all. But like he might yeah. be building, you know, more of like a relationship with guy, or at least I, I don't even know how to explain or how to how to articulate it. But he might just be like making some inroads with guys in the locker room, you know, showing them that he's got their back. But well, like I said, if you win a championship, you can do whatever you want as GM. Like you're doing, right. you're doing something right. Now he's considered a uh, well. He always was considered a top GM, but now he's considered like a top three, four, five GM mm-hmm. in the league. So I feel like you win a championship at some point. Now you're considered like a team that's going to go after like these free agents. Like, aren't they going to go after Giannis in 2021? I would think so. They're going to try and get a meeting, right? Yeah, you would think. But, I mean, I guess right now, I mean, the question is, are they going to want to invest in Lowry like that? Or are they going to want to, like, retool around Pas- mm. Pascal Siakam? Because, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at seeing him, you know, blow it up midseason, which I know I, – I, I think the Raptors are pretty good, as is. Maybe not a championship contender this year because they lost Kawhi, but I think they're, like, that four to, like, seven in the, in the East – but will Masai just blow it up and just want to like retool for the next run to a championship? I don't that's know. That's so. In, that's one of the most interesting questions, right? Because like he's never had to deal with being like a seven seed, right? Mm-hmm. Or like a six, seven, eight seed. So he could like like you said, they're a team now where they won the title. So now it's not about making the playoffs or making the Eastern Conference Finals. It's about winning a championship every single year. So if they're, mm-hmm. com- if they're like in the 6-7-8 spot in February, you're right. He may just say, F it, I'll trade everyone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Masai, like, like trade everyone like, like outside of Siakam and then like build around yeah. him or something like Because that would be kind of like a... And Van Vliet. Uh-huh. And Van Vliet. Yeah, and Van Vliet. I think they're yeah, the yeah. only two untouchable guys on yeah, the entire roster. Yeah, yeah like, like Gasol... Um, Lowry, Ibaka, like just saying, all right, let's, you know, let's see how much we can get for them, clear some space out, like, you know, and then just get ready to retool. And then you have a lot of money 
opening mm-hmm. up, a lot of cash space opening up, and you got to pay Siakam what's that hundred twenty mil on mm-hmm. that extension, right? And you got to pay him, obviously. Yeah, I think he last, so, you know, the 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 finals, he kind of cemented himself yeah. as of their future going forward. I'm kind of interested to see what he's going to look like as the number one guy too. Like that, he was so good in that finals, man. Oh man, he, he was did. a money I mean, player. I think almost like before the finals, or at least before the playoffs, for sure. It was like, yeah, but if they lose Kawhi, can they really rebuild or, or you know retool around Siakam? And I think in that finals, you know, some of those some of those games he had, I think he kind of put that not to bed. I w- I don't want to say, but like put fears to ease a little bit because yeah, you know, he was just so dominant in some of those games. <laughs> He'll be an all-star this year for sure. Yeah, I think so. And that, that Eastern Conference, it's a, it's a little easier to break through than in mm-hmm. the West. So I think he's definitely – and, you know, they'll be playing through him, I think, a lot. So I think he'll be in a lot of positions um, to do pretty well. So moving on to our last topic of the pod, um, talking about a little mock draft. Way too early mock drafts, we'll admit. Obviously, so much can change between now and then. But in ESPN's latest mock draft, LaMelo Ball is heading to the New York Knicks at number three, which kind of just is a crazy statement to say because think about this time last year, even a few months ago, LaMelo was more of a mid to late round pick. And, you know, so much can change. The Knicks might not get the third pick. The Knicks might be, you know, lower, higher. Who knows? LaMelo could drop. LaMelo could rise. But the one takeaway from the article and then that, um, had the mock draft was Gavoni said one NBA scout um, said that he could be in the conversation for number number one overall pick. So I think that's just an interesting development with all, you know, the craziness of LeVar Ball and everything with the the Ball family, Triple B and everything, um, kind of a crazy thing. But it was kind of interesting. I don't I want to say most of the reaction I saw was more negative towards LaMelo coming to New York. But just the idea of the Knicks getting a player like Lamelo is pretty interesting to me. What did you think of uh, when you saw that that Lamelo uh, Knicks mock? Well, a couple things stood out to me. The first one uh, was that, like you said, that NBA scout comparing him to Luca. That was obviously like a, mm-hmm. a buzzword type thing. Uh, and then the other thing was the guy, the, his Australian coach talking about how he never hears from LeVar, Melo's dad, mm-hmm. who is notorious for the way he's hands-on mm-hmm. with his sons, I guess we can say. Yeah, I'd say um, so. Yeah. Uh, and I guess he's doing that now while his son's playing in Australia, and that's good. But I think I'm more on the side of I would prefer not to have LaMelo ball because – I feel like if his son goes to New York, LeVar is going to be more hands-on. Um, like, I don't think he's really going to be hanging out in New Orleans with Lonzo. He's not really interested in being down there. And uh, what's the other kid, the one who's not good? The one who shoplifted the sunglasses and LiAngelo? Yeah, he's got nothing going on with that kid. So he's got to find a kid to hang out with. And if LaMelo were to go to New York... He could hang out with Spike Lee. Spike Lee apparently likes him. There's a great gift of those two. Like yeah, when yeah. Uh, Lonzo, I think the first time he played in the Garden, 
he had a great game and like yeah spike lee and i remember uh, him and lavar like you know hugging it out like on court side yeah um but yeah no i i mean i i get all the concerns with lavar i mean he's been quiet lately but you know who knows how long how that's gonna last um but i mean i do i do think it's kind of interesting that Lamelo has kind of like kind of changed the narrative a little bit and not that I really know much about him as a player. Like I don't, I haven't watched a ton of him, so like I'm not going to sit here and tell you like, oh, he's going to be a can't miss prospect. But I mean, his brother's a really good player, and not that we should be taking everything Lavar says, you know, completely seriously. But I think Lamelo is one he consistently says he's going to be the best out of the three of them. You know, he's always been kind of on that. You know, Lamelo is the best, which maybe saying it because he's the youngest, motivate him, whatever. I don't know. I don't want to get into this, you know, psychology behind LeVar Ball and what he says. But, you know. <laughs> Is there I mean, a psychology there? <laughs> I don't even know. That's that's for a different pod. But I just, I, I mean, I think it would be kind of cool to see LaMelo, like, buck that narrative that, you know, he had such a kind of a crazy rise to where he is now. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing. And at, for nothing for nothing, if he did get drafted by the Knicks, that would be great for writers and oh you know, bloggers yeah. and podcasters because there would almost be nonstop content, I feel like, with him. Absolutely. It'd be great. It'd be great for us as content creators. Yeah. Um, I'm not, not yeah, sure. Yeah, it might be great for, for Knicks fans and their you know anxiety, but yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's a different story. Absolutely. Like I said, I would prefer not to have LaMelo Ball, but if he does turn out to be the best prospect and is head and shoulders above everybody else or something, I wouldn't not draft a kid because his dad is a jackass. Yeah. You just, you draft him and you deal with the jackass father, like the Lakers did. Yeah. And then, like the Lakers did, maybe you just get rid of him for a superstar, like so that's a good point Lonzo you know I know it was part of a package deal but he turned into Anthony Davis which isn't bad for the Lakers exactly and yeah no like you said that like the reaction I think for the most part like you you were saying you know you don't want him I think that's how most people were saying or feeling and a lot of people said to me Mm. you know on Twitter like well we should be trying to compete for the playoffs we shouldn't be tanking for a draft pick but I think maybe, like, I was looking at it, like, the ideal scenario for the Knicks this season might be, like, win 33 games and jump up somewhere a little bit higher in the lottery. Because that's, like, what exactly what um, Memphis and New Orleans did. They won 33 games. They got the one-two picks. Now they have these, you know, great prospects coming in. Knicks, in that scenario, they would take a step forward so people would say, okay, maybe, you know, incremental progress. They're improving. And then you get another, you know, big time draft prospect like that. Obviously, a lot is has to fall into place for that to happen. Um, but it's not crazy to think the Knicks can add another good young player next year and not have to tank to do so. I think that who's tanking? Yeah, like do the Knicks need to trade market? I think they're going to suck whether they have their best veteran players on the team. Um, I'm not one of those people who thinks they're going to compete for the seventh or eighth spot. Um, So I don't get the 
the complaining about the tanking thing. The Knicks aren't tanking. They're trying to win. They wouldn't have gone out and signed a guy mm-hmm. like Taj Gibson if they if they were trying to lose on purpose. So and, and they have to go that direction. Like they can't. Yeah. They can't let last season happen again. Because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, I said it before, we both said it. If if the Nets don't make the playoffs last year, I don't think Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant go there. Yeah, if they mm-hmm. don't win 40 games. So the Knicks, the most important thing the Knicks need to do is not get high draft picks, not get rookies. It's start winning games, have winning seasons. Mm-hmm. And, and then maybe... If they start winning games, maybe they can sway someone somewhere down the line. I don't know. Finally. Yeah, I mean, it, everything everything you say, yeah, is right, right on the money. And I, I feel like the – I know you've mentioned the low post before. You know, uh, yeah. Zach Lowe got into that at the end saying, you know, like they're never going to sign anyone. Like, you know, uh, yeah, it's yeah, never yeah. going to happen. He's just kind of like saying and almost, you know, he was like defeated just because he wants it to happen. Um, but like you said, the only way for it to actually happen is to just start winning games, start, you know, making those steps forward, that incremental progress, which, you know, obviously the playoffs this year would be like the shooting to the moon on that because that would be like such a huge step forward. Even you know, even like getting to like 30 wins this year would be a nice step. And it, yeah, obviously that's not exactly what Knicks fans want to hear, but that's do that for next year. And then you have to do uh, take another step forward because 2021, I hate to even mention it because it's going to, I feel like we're going to talk about it ad nauseum over the next two years, but that should be the goal for, you know, when you want to become a contender by 2021, because you can't try the quick fixes or anything. You, you just, it's too hard. It's too impossible to get there from where you are. Slow incremental progress is the only way. I feel like 2021 is going to be the next LeBron James and Wade Chris Bosch free agency. I'm, I'm a little worried about that. When everyone was talking about maybe getting LeBron, I'm worried. Um, yeah, it's – I mean, yeah, who else is a free agent other than Giannis? I, I can't – I'm blanking off to the top of my head. Uh, you think? Yeah, I'm blanking too, but I know – uh, I know Giannis is like obviously that's kind of the uh, like the in topic right now that yeah. people are starting to kind of like look at twenty twenty. But yeah, no, I, I, I it's and, uh, uh, the only way Kawhi to get there. Kawhi and George you, are up again. Oh yeah, yeah, Kawhi and George they structured their deals. Um, Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley. Oh, LeBron. Yeah, LeBron too. There's. Oladipo, DeMar DeRozan, Aldridge, wow. Blake Griffin. Wow. It Chris really Paul, is stacked. Gordon oh Hayward, God. Otto Porter, Steven Adams. So, yeah, no, there's, there's, a, there's plenty of talent that's going to be on the, uh, on the market. Blake, too. Yeah, Blake Griffin. So, I mean... 
I think we need some basketball because we're sitting here. We're talking about mock drafts for next year. We're talking about <laughs> free agency 2021. I think what we need is we need some preseason basketball at least or something to get us going because I'm definitely, uh, definitely ready. We're going to come out with some predictions soon and a couple of the next episodes and stuff. Um, but I think that's all we got for uh, Nick's state of mind today. Kind of just running through some of this last second free agency stuff before training camp and everything arrives. Um, but we'll catch you next week. Peace.